0: Welcome to T3. Today, tomorrow's technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Jose Negron on America.com on the Variety Channel, hosting the lead technology show, T3, today, tomorrow. Technologies every Tuesday at nine o'clock Pacific Standard Time or noon East Coast time. You can also catch us on Wednesday and Thursday and Saturday. Uh, check your local listing on voiceamerica.com variety channel for the T3 show. As always, I'd like to thank my audience when we get started. Our U.S. audience is growing, and our international audience is also growing. I'm uh, pleased to find out that. Uh, That audience internationally has continued to grow, as well as our U.S. audience, and I continue to increase it uh, week by week. So uh, thank you out there. As a reminder, the purpose of the show is to integrate scientists and engineers and innovators, our tech audience, with the non-techie folks. The purpose of the show is to have an interactive conversation and listen to what can be done from a technology perspective, from an innovation perspective, what kind of research is being done out there that will begin to change our lifestyle. Also, I'd like to invite experts on the topics of the show. Today's show is Technology and Innovation, The Challenge to Succeed. And I have a a few questions I'd like to talk about today and we'll address them. Why do some products survive the business market and others don't? Why do some products have a difficult time launching into the commercial product? And what is the current affairs starting a new product? My guest today, and I'm very pleased, is Mr. Brad Chase, a very well-known scientist, optometry, neurology, head trauma, neuropsychology, with specialties in neurovision, processing, and therapeutics interventions. Brad and I have known each other for uh, 10 years, uh, Brad is an inventor with patents in protected medical equipment, diagnostics, and treatment therapeutics associated with the FDA licensing. The product today that we'll talk about that uh, Brad, Brad is trying to get commercialized is the new chromatic lenses, new neurochromatic lenses. Do we'll I have that right there, Brad? Yes, I think so. Okay. Uh, So let's start off, what is the neurochromatic lenses, and how are they going to assist the individual? Can you start off there, get started? Sure. Neurochromatic lens is an invention wherein
2: I use eyewear to essentially manipulate brain blood flow, to change brain chemistry, change the interactive components of the brain, the electromagnetic brain channel, chatter, if you will, and to improve brain function. In accomplishing that, which is relatively easy, the first byproduct, which is what I was after to begin with, was to improve visual performance. As an individual, I was born with a severe kind of dyslexia, which did not allow me to learn to read until I invented my own lenses, uh, which was a long and difficult process. Uh, Fortunately for me... I had a family background that gave me every opportunity to be exposed to technology. And early on in my life, in completing medical school, actually at age 18, I wasn't in medical school, but my aunt was able to get me in on a program to work with the residents, and specifically with a, new, with a brain surgeon who also had similar difficulties as I. And we discovered that, contrary to our beliefs, uh, Our dyslexia or visual aberrations were not a problem of our brain, but likely a problem of the retina. And if it were a problem with the retina, which is actually part of the brain not covered by bone, then the probability is it has something to do with light and light source. So we were exposed with Dow Corning Corporation with different kinds of lenses to see if we can mitigate problems that were occurring in medicine. Short story, but many years, took me 25 years to come up with a prototype of A, how to test a patient to see if light made the difference, and then B, how to manufacture a lens that actually correlated with the testing, which was also, each of those took about two to four years uh, to develop. Once we had that, I am pleased to state that because of a physician who was also a philanthropist, we took 10,000 patients in beta development of these particular kinds of lenses. So I wear the lenses. It looks like I have a mild form of a, a tint or a mild form of, a, of a, just a colored lens. Um, what that does for me is it stopped the seizure-type activity that I had as a youth. It cleared up my vision, and I went from a non-reader to reading medical texts in about 15 minutes after wearing the lens. Um in short, what we advertise is that the neurochromatic lens, about 93% of the general population responds positively to them in that their vision is more clear and precise. It's kind of like being nearsighted and being able to read the blackboard. They have uh, enhanced visual performance in that if they're dyslexic or they're seeing things that other people don't normally see or can't see things, like they can't read, then instantly they become readers. They have more colors and hues and contrasts. They suddenly experience 3D. And in doing that, then that dramatically reduces the amount of time to respond to visual stimulation and now we know that there's a direct correlation between vision and auditory. So they're processing multi-sensory in an enhanced modality that they could not do without the lens, and it doesn't, I moved into the general population that, that I can have somebody who's a very high performer academically, and yet I still improve their ability to perform cognitively, visually, auditorily, uh, and reduce what's called the visually evoked response. What that means is for a military application, a person wearing my lenses is going to, shoot the gun first because they're going to respond faster and more diligently because they're going to see more. They're going to be able to dis- differentiate the camouflage out there on the field uh, to improves night vision. I just did an experiment, quite frankly, on myself, a three-year experiment where I believed that I could reverse. I was diagnosed with having early uh,
1: cataracts on both my eyes, and in three years I reversed those without surgery. That's fantastic. So the reason of this innovation, really the, the, the neurochromatic lens, was because you had uh, uh, seizures and it was hard to to read or you couldn't read at the time, and therefore you developed it. And most innovators, that's how they get started. They see a, a problem set. Uh, usually, it's a problem set they discovered themselves, and then they invent something to cure it, fix it, or improve it. And and so you're falling right on into that stream. I had to fix Brad. I wasn't (laughs) very
2: self-centeredly because uh, I came with a very good IQ. And what that meant for me going through college is that I had all paid readers. I did not perform with writing. Right. right, right, And reading.
1: So it was all verbal. And that's an interesting topic because it's been a – we keep uh, working harder – To fix things, to improve things. And that's part of innovation, uh, new technology. Some people call it disruptive technology, but just new technology. And uh, I believe this uh, neurochromatic lens is part of the future as you begin to diagnose some of the folks. And out of those 10,000 folks that you did beta testing, what are some of those initial results?
2: We started particularly focusing in, again, that was egocentric in people who had learning disabilities, dyslexia, head trauma caused a stroke, causing inability to read or function at their IQ, correlation to how smart they are. And what we found is that universally there was not a single patient that could not benefit from our lenses. So we did an initial clinical trial. We took 14 students who were performing at least two grade levels below the, the, the minimal standard as established by the federal government the only intervention we did was to put them in our lenses. And within six weeks, all students minimally were performing at grade level with that intervention, which puts us into a very peculiar place. What does that mean in terms of special ed? Does, does our special ed program work as such, or do we need to put a patient, or in this case, a student in the lenses, and to eliminate illiteracy in our lifetime? I would advocate and have spoken at international reading conferences, etc., that this lens will, if used appropriately and put into school children's hands, we will eliminate illiteracy in the United States and Canada in 10 years. Wow,
1: that's a significant innovation there. Just to do that, because all the scores right now from high school on is that the U.S. is not performing at the level of the international students. Right. And as years go by, a lot of it is... Because they're afraid to read or can't read or they're having difficulties reading. And, and just the society places them on the side. And sometimes we just run over them. Well, if you have a bright child and they cannot read, their mind goes elsewhere.
2: Uh, and if you have a child who's just an average person, they try harder, but then you lose their spirit. In looking at early elementary education where I spent five and a half years, Uh, we lose a boy at second grade and we lose a girl at fourth grade. We lose that spirit, that natural inquiry, inquisitiveness and joy of learning if they cannot read. Now we add to the complication of bringing in computers with the artificial light source, and that actually exacerbates for many of the students precisely what was indigenous, that the light source coming into their eye obliterates the ability of their brain, i.e., the retina or their eyes, to properly interpret and respond to the data. So they lose their concentration. They lose the benefit of the information given to them. They rely secondly, on auditory. They listen or they talk to themselves. A a peer candidate for me, it's real simple. Do you hear your words when you read? If you hear your words when you read, you're not reading with your eyes. You're reading with your ears. And your body is not designed to do that. So uh, I turn off the auditory yeah. so you so you can process and have all that concentration. And that's very, very critical because we look at some of the behavioral problems, particularly in early grades, K-6, and we think it's attention and we think it's family social problems within families or that's just the way kids are or we look at the bilingual influence and in that we are teaching control. We're not teaching subject matter largely. What is happening is that the child is being stimulated in alternate ways other than through the visual system, which is what we are designed for primarily. So if I can improve that vision system, improve the concentration, what then can we do?
1: Absolutely. So it's it, it's important for us as, we, as an innovator. I mean, you had a problem and you solved the problem yourself. Uh, the good thing is, as I find out, most innovators... Uh, while they start off by themselves, usually surround themselves with a team. I mean, I, I just see that as very important because it's so difficult. It's First of all, it's a lonely road because no one believes that you can do what you can believe or can do. Uh, change is difficult to comprehend and accept. And, uh, and the standards for some of the folks uh, become uh, very uh, steep as they're trying to uh, show different people who are non-believers that their innovations can't work. W- what are some of the experiences that you've had to deal with as you went along through this process?
2: First, thing you're trying to fix yourself, as it was my case, and I think with a lot of inventors, they're targeted for a problem that they see is that they have very little experience necessary to bring a product to market. They have no marketing background. They do not have the finances, most certainly, to take it to market. Uh, They don't even know with whom they should surround themselves. So it's a learning curve to begin with. And in that learning curve, you bring enthusiasts and you bring people who have uh, opportunistic ideas and ideals. So you're forced into an area of leadership. For me, I'm more comfortable at that time being a scientist, and now I'm head of a corporation that's looking to be global and looking to be funded. I know nothing about what I'm doing and don't even know that I don't know anything about what I'm doing. So the initial problem is surrounding yourself with the right team. Second is surrounding yourself with the right information from that team and from others that you can make decisions on taking your product to market. Ultimately, that's the goal. You you have a target population that needs what you have. How do you get it there? And almost always that requires an enormous amount of finance. For me in my profession, I look at ninety thousand doctors in the United States of America who prescribe lenses. I have to A get my product to them so they can get it to the patient, which means then for I have I have to now work in a university to create a curriculum to train them to do what I have studied for twenty five years on my own. Plus I have to learn how to communicate. Uh, Can I take what's in my head and make that intelligible for somebody else to understand and appreciate? So it is a progressive and troubling because uh, the excitement of what you've discovered can be tampered by, gee, this is so big or it's so new. And oftentimes with a product, you are going to negatively affect the status quo. One of the biggest status quos because I treat migraines and I treat seizures uh, and I have phenomenal success, for example, in migraines, I have not had a patient. We have documented now almost 4,000 patients in my lenses. Not a single patient has had a migraine or has not had their migraine stopped in my lenses. That's a scary stat because if you look at the pharmaceutical industry with their investment on your television... There's at least one migraine drug or treatment on television right now that has billions of dollars in annual income. And I am a direct threat to that industry because I can prescribe and treat a patient for under $500. And and
1: that patient never again will have a migraine. Wow, uh, That's pretty interesting there. Uh, folks, today, uh, just to keep our audience involved in the T3 show, uh, please call in at 866 866- Four seven two five seven eight eight, or email me at todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail uh, We are talking about technology innovation, the challenge to succeed. My guest today is uh, Mr. Brad Chase, a very well-known scientist, optometry, neuro neurologist, uh, head trauma uh, neuropsychologist, an inventor. Uh, he's uh, he's done a little bit of all, and as we discuss. Uh, The Neurochromatic Lens, uh, he first started because he had his own issues he had to deal with, uh, a little bit of seizures, unable to read, and, of course, uh, he wanted to uh, progress and help themselves, and that's how he started. And, of course, now we're talking about establishing a business and and moving forward. So, uh, Brad, uh, all these things were pretty massive. I mean, I, I look at you and I see you as the lead scientist for this innovation but then you have to surround yourself with uh, the, the business people or the uh, legal people or the other folks that are going to help you market the product itself and push it out to the market.
2: Yes. Well, for, for, for example, because it is a medical product, uh, in order to prescribe a, a medical procedure or a product, even a drug, a doctor has to have the appropriate training. The product itself has to be recognized, I've crossed that hurdle already in that uh, the FDA licensing the use of this technology as a treatment or even a diagnostic inquiry has been accomplished. The next goal is to get what's called third party payment. What that means is does your Blue Cross Blue Shield or Medicare pay for this? And as of this moment that is not the case, we're on that step to make that possible. Uh, because a doctor to prescribe my lenses, it, 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 since they're not being paid for, it and most patients can't afford the cost, the cost for a doctor in California to prescribe my lenses, their salary plus the staff runs about $165 an hour. And these doctors don't have $165 an hour to give away. Uh, they do their charity through their church or their service organization. So that's problem number one. That also means in the patients who most commonly need it, since this isn't a response to like the more severe you have in terms of the retinal dysfunction, uh, the more likely you are to be impoverished. And it's multi generational. So in schools, we say, well, that's just those kids. And they, well, they just have this. And they end up most commonly. Approximately 25% of the people who have severe dyslexia become incarcerated largely because they may use drugs or other mood-altering chemicals to control some of their aberration, but to treat an antidepressant. They can't function in society. You can't function if you can't fill out a job application. You can't function if you can't read the citation to get you to court. You can't function to go to www and order whatever you want off Amazon.com. We are marginalizing approximately 25 to 40% of our population today with our technology advances, marginalizing in the sense that they cannot benefit fully from all the goodies that are out there, including employment, including technical education, including higher education, much less interpret the data that comes in with our very sophisticated culture.
1: Well, wow, Brad, uh, that's pretty uh, profound because when I look back and being in science for the last 30 years and uh, being part of the, uh, the new technology revolution, I, I look at today's digital age and information is power. And some of these folks can't even get the information because they don't know where to get it. They can't see it. They can't help themselves. With a neurochromatic lens, that's, that's the beginning of yep. helping yourself. Precisely. It's, it's, it's tremendous empowerment to be able to sit at
2: a computer. I remember the first book I ever read. And I uh, wanted to, I was puzzled by it. I'd never seen an algebraic formula because the numbers and letters would simply move away and disappear. So the first book I read was a textbook on quantum physics. And it was just marvelous to be able to see the presentation of an idea in some symbols. And then you add uh, the ability to see a word, to see how a paragraph looks like, to see punctuation, and then to be able to use my eyes to actually interpret what was on there. And and today I crave, I crave reading. I never get enough time to read all I want to read, Um, which drives my family nuts because I might find some silence time at two o'clock in the morning because I'm entrenched in the assimilation of knowledge. And uh, for school children, uh, we throw the Apple Industries may put a computer on their desk, but can they appropriately use it uh, in terms of, of acquiring the data? Probably not for at least, I would estimate conservatively, 40% of the population. If every patient that we've seen, uh, 90 some percent can improve their visual performance, and 90% are not benefiting from that technology to the max.
1: Wow. We have about two minutes left. Uh, I'm here today discussing technology innovation, the challenge to succeed. My guest, of course, is Mr. Brad Chase, our inventor and sponsor of the Neurochromatic Lens. I just want to say as we go through these statistics, I mean, uh, 25 to 45 per- percent of our folks are marginalized because they can't see. Uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty uh, enormous statement, <laughs> Uh, and, and also factual. So uh, as we go to our first commercial break, I'd like to come back to you and, and ask you, Brad, any major surprises as you began to develop the neurochromatic lens and as we move towards uh, you know, the future uh, innovation of making the product better because I'm sure you've learned a little bit of tricks of the trade of the product. But I am quite surprised uh, on the large beta test. And uh, I think those, those results were quite surprising to you as well. So, folks, we'll be back, back. Our topic today is technology innovation, the challenge to succeed. And our guest today is Mr. Brad Chase, our inventor and the sponsor of the Neurochromatic Lens.
2: Divorce or domestic family issues can take their toll not only on the adults who are party to it, but also to their children. Sometimes separation or divorce are far better solutions than staying around a toxic relationship. Now there's a show that listens and provides solutions. Listen for Reclaiming Your Life with host Don Christensen. In this program, we discuss family crisis issues which can happen to anyone. Divorce with dignity is possible,
0: and working together can achieve wonderful results. Listen Tuesdays at 10 a.m. the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: Success doesn't come by chance. It's a decision to take a chance on you. Attending the university of choice is a goal, but not a guarantee. Dr. Cynthia Colon offers you the formula of going from good, better, to best and increasing those chances of receiving that yes to your dream university. Get the one-to-one attention every student needs to succeed. Tune in to Destination University, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12
0: noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven eight eight, or send an email to todaytomorrowstechnologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show.
1: Welcome back, folks. Let's continue our T3 program. Our program today is Technology Innovation, The Challenge to Succeed. Our guest today is Mr. Brad Chase, uh, the inventor and sponsor of the Neurochromatic Lenses. And we've been going through uh, you know, technology innovation and some of the difficulties. How he got started, uh, why he got started, and basically, it's uh, uh, self-imposed. He had a he had a dilemma he was facing. He had seizures. He couldn't read. He had difficulties in his vision, and therefore, he he decided that uh, I, I've got to help myself if someone's going to help me. And so that's how Mr. Brad Chase started his invention. Uh, and it's been, a, I can tell you, since I've known Brad for over 10 years, it's been a, a work of love, and it continues to get better. So we're talking about the neurochromatic lens. Any major surprises on the neurochromatic lens? You said you had 10,000 beta tests. You had a, a couple of nice doctors to help you and assist you as you develop your product. What What are some of the surprises? The surprises to me
2: were, I was a pioneer way back when looking at the retinal structure itself. I thought that in terms of light, you had simply a photoreceptor cell, which were very few. We've just recently, meaning in the last five years, discovered that each retina has nearly a trillion photoresponsive cells. Each have their own particular purpose. That's per eye. That um, what I now say is that the retina is essentially the motherboard to the brain. It's also the control panel to the brain. That was a big surprise. So God or hell sends me different types of patients and said, well, I have this. What can you do with this? And about three years ago, I had a patient in late stage diabetes, which means that the insulin is not working. They live with insulin in one hand and a bottle of orange juice in the other and one day they crash, they end up in ICU and they die because the blood sugar is no longer manageable with conventional treatment. And I took this young, this man and I made him a specific lens uh, knowing what his original prescription was and, and changed it very slightly and I said all I need for you to do is quick get your 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 blood sugar count but if you give me 20 seconds. I want you to put on this lens and see what it does, just just tell me what it does. You can always take the insulin, you can always drink the orange juice. If you don't lose consciousness before that because it happens very rapidly. Eight patients away, I now control late stage blood sugar with a lens without either using insulin or using uh, sugar to stabilize the blood sugar values in these diabetic patients. The surprise is that that makes us question what is the very nature of diabetes. My wife is an internal, journalist a doctor of internal medicine with a specialty in diabetic care. So that is di. We once believed that diabetes, and we still believe, is a is essentially a problem of the pancreas. However, to what extent does the pancreas relate to the brain and changing of hormones at the speed of light? We now know that there is a direct correlation to the blood sugar values related to what happens in the brain, which happens to the retina, the stimulation of light. Uh, So subsequently, I've taken a number of patients. Uh, We are going to need a clinical trial through the National Institute of Health or the Diabetes Foundation, and we have minimized the medication. And with some patients, we are reversing what appears to be at least type 2 diabetes. This is exciting. Because these things should not normally happen. Um, the second surprise, of course, was, of course, the migraine, being able to treat the migraine. Uh, the third was being able to, I had a, a mother who, whose daughter's brain was going to be severed in surgery because her seizures were so significant. I saw her on a parent rescue mission. We put her in the neurochromatic lens two years later instead of brain surgery or removing the medication and I tell this young woman she can now have a baby because the medications that she was on to control her seizures would have killed any child inside of her and those are miracles Uh, right now we know in fact that the neurochromatic lens in anybody enhances the autoimmune complex response We believe that the immune system has something to do with setting up an inflammatory condition in the body, which may be the foundation for most diseases that we experience, the chronic diseases, arthritis, uh, uh, lupus, and on and on and on. So by booting the immune system, we boot the uh, body's overall health. I am in contact with uh, some university folks Whose names, I, I mean, several non disclosure arrangements where we're going to be looking at various kinds of chemo and radiation treatment patients. We will intentionally put them in our lenses. We expect that the response in terms of recovery and to minimize the side effects of those treatments will be significant. That is, that is coming. Uh, I've got some physicians who are doing stem cell replacements for orthopedic reasons, for the immune system. Uh, I've just had a patient who was wearing my glasses eight weeks, and his time in ICU was he, was, he had cardiovascular surgery planned. His time in ICU was estimated 10 days. His hospitalization was estimated in 21. He was discharged from ICU in 24 hours and was discharged from the hospital in four and a half days after spending 10 and a half hours on the heart-lung machine and having all those various things with his blood factors, his white count stabilized and his red count going up and his immune response is incredible. The uh, These are some of the experimental things that are happening in medicine. Uh, but goes back to what Colonel, Legron, Colonel Hosea, LeGron was asking me, some of the hurdles you have. Um, you have to go through, try, you have to test your product and you have to test it in an unbiased Situations. It means what I can do has to be duplicated by a physician. Number one, and we have to get licensed to do that. We have to get the insurance companies to pay for that, or Medicare, Medicaid, to pay for those kinds of treatments. Those are big hurdles. And then the last hurdle, of course, is to get the information out to the public. I had to make a decision a couple of years ago because I was my cell phone was being clattered with patients all over the United States. Well, I have a migraine, or I have a child with this. What do I do? I can't service the United States. I have to service those doctors. So the estimated cost for me to completely launch an optometry, ophthalmology is $50 million. That's not easy money to raise. Uh, You know, you just can't turn in your postage stamp book and get your $10 back. You have to have business. And business, when it comes in, they have their own agenda. Most commonly, unfortunately, is profit. But there's nothing wrong with profit. It is, can you get the money you need to get the product to the public because uh, uh, the financial boom to this is, is incredible, but it's got to be out there. And ethics, banking, uh, international law. I had a delegation from the Republic of China trying to steal it. They were in my office trying to take photographs of me and my products. I had a university do uh some manipulation and trying to do some reverse engineering that I was working with in terms of research. And th- there are sharks out there. It's They're not sharks trying necessarily to be greedy. There are people out there trying to make a difference. And you have to learn to work in that ethical world without losing who you are and what you are. And that requires people around you who uh, share common dream, common value, and, and are willing to be first a public servant, and then secondly, an
1: entrepreneur. Well, this is the reason we call them mad scientists, I guess, because uh, people are out to get you one way or the other. They're not willing to let go of their inventions. And it's a two-way street. There's got to be a balance. You have to trust the people around you because you need them. At the same time, uh, they need to protect uh, the invention so that you can move forward and market the product and and go forth with that. What surprised me the most, Brad, Uh, on the uh, neurochromatic lenses is uh, diabetics uh, or diabetes right now. Uh, stage two and the ability to do that. I've always talked to you about the migraines. So I'm comfortable there, in the seizures. But the ability for the control of the diabetes, also for uh, any type of uh, future surgery or issues there, there's so much to do. But the basic right now, and I think uh, what's most important for you, is to get it out there as a, uh, as a lens, a uh chromatic lens for improvement of vision. That's really number one.
2: When we when we see proven vision, you know your eyes see. You're not. This is not an issue of blindness. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is that uh, you can uh, pass most forty. All almost all children can pass a regular eye exam. Some will end up with a nearsighted prescription or a farsighted. But this has to do with visual performance. How well do you really see it? How sharp is the edge of the e on the eye chart? How sharp are the words on the page? And to the extent that I improve that sharpness, I improve the ability to understand what it is. Most people, when they look at a page, if they look down at one single word, they see approximately the size of a silver dollar, if any of us know what that is anymore. But approximately a two-inch diameter around is nice, clear, and in precise vision. When I put you in my lenses, you see the whole page. What that means or, or the whole paragraph. What that means is that your brain is processing all that information on there, whether or not you are reading it. As your eyes scan, it is incorporating that information. I mentioned earlier that normal reading, for example, does not require you to hear the words in your ears, nor does it require you to use your finger to track. Your eyes are designed to scan and interpret the data. And then when you've been reading for a while, to look out the window and to take an eye at your landscape, the tree out the window or the building across the street, and not lose focus with either one of those. Uh, and not have a have a time, because the time that you lose your focus or the time that your, your actual precise vision is, is diminished, that also means that your brain's ability to process that data is sequentially diminished. So children... It's it's not uncommon for me to be in a second-grade classroom and see a child, and I will ask them, I'll put my finger on the word the, how many of those letters can you see really clear as you see the other letter and you can't move your eyes? I'm lucky if I get a letter.
1: Right,
2: right. And so, English, designed as it is, we have to have, in order for good comprehension, you have to be able to process at once a thought, which means multiple syllables and multiple words together in a group to convey a basic thought. That is basic reading. If you have that, then you're proficient at sixth grade reading levels.
1: Folks, we're listening to Mr. Brad Chase, a very well-known scientist in optometry. Uh, head trauma, neural psychology, uh, just a specialist in neurovision and processing. And, of course, he is the inventor for the Neurochromatic Lens. Our show today is Technology and Innovation, the Challenge to Succeed. Uh, we've been giving you some of the, uh, uh, the problem set. Some of the uh, solutions that we've gone through or uh, Mr. Brad Chase has gone through and eventually uh, the final production of the product and the ability to get in touch with Brad. So uh, as we go on. Let's talk about some of the benefits. If we talked about the benefits of the neurochromatic lens in a very positive way, uh, from diabetics to migraine to seizures to just general surgery and ability to improve that, uh, the ability to uh, for to expand the business or to educate the public, uh, because it's twofold. One is the patient itself. and. Uh, And, of course, as Brad indicated, he can't touch everybody. He's got to go through uh, uh, the doctors and and uh, touching that. But I'm sure there are some... uh Commercial companies out there do not want you to succeed. So that's the negative part. So, uh, some of those uh, in my own world from DARPA, you know, we we produce disruptive technology. People don't want to believe that that technology works, and they do everything they can to kind of stop you one way or the other. Either they don't give you the audience, they don't give you the, de- the ability to demonstrate your capability, they just neglect you to the side and keep producing. I um, mean, you just mentioned the pharmaceutical. Uh, the uh, the eye care industry has got to be concerned about this because this is the next revolution. This is the next wave of improving uh, your vision and vision treatment. Improving, actually, our whole behavioral performance. Yeah. Because our, our culture,
2: you know, if you look at the evolution of the eye, the the amount of cells and energy put to make the vision system work is absolutely incredible. Uh, one of the – Jose asked earlier one of the surprises – uh, I was treating uh, migraine patients, and migraines. When you see a migraine, or sometimes a seizure patient, their temperature is often times elevated. And I asked the question, "Well, why, why, why the temperature change? They don't have a virus or a bacterial infection. What's going on here?" And that's where I was able to uh, uncover the notion that the immune system, whenever we are under stress, the immune system kicks in. And then it has nothing to attack but the body itself. So you put people under chronic stress. You have a chronic immune system response. You It's not surprising. You end up with all sorts of different kinds of disease and ailments. Little children talk about they have upset stomachs or they ache and they groan and they moan. They have all sorts of different kinds of ailments. And you get into the population of 30 or 40, and we're looking at various kinds of chronic diseases that should not have occurred. So how we... Uh, I, t- I took cliche words that our worldview is more truthful than what we know. As our a, as a worldview is, so is our functioning. And one of my initial goals was to change the worldview from a neurophysiological point of view, which means that I'm changing, to a certain extent, everything about the body. Um, I had just just different patients, and I've gone and looked at, I have a little more than 100 patients at one time who... Young women who have difficult in menstruation, irregular periods or elongated periods, which is horrible. It's, it's already, you know, we say this is a glorious time of growing up, but if it hurts, why well, have it? Uh, very pragmatic in being male. But when I put these young women in the neurochromatic lens, it works better than the typical medication they give, which is a form of birth control. So I stabilize the menstrual periods, I sta- reduce the amount of pain which means am I affecting endometriosis in the end? The answer is yes. So these are exciting things. It's not the answer for everything because we have other treatments that we can do in harmony. Um, One of the things that has piqued my interest in the last year or so is our opioid problems. People do have pain. But what I've been experimenting with a couple of folks is, okay, let's put you in the lens and see how well how much pain can you have? It's not how much pain do I take away, but let's see if we can maximize this. So you have to take all this heavy-duty medication. Well, I'll be surprised again that we do know the brain has a, it produces its own endomorphins, which is its own pain medication. And by trickering the brain to produce more of those during post, you know, post-operative or maybe a traumatic injury, here's another place where we ought to be going is looking at, uh, again, pain management. And that was just, it's, it's sort of like when I had—I used to get headaches. Uh, when the company came over, I didn't have a headache. When they left, I was miserable. So there's something about the way we focus our attention. And whether I'm changing the focus of attention in the brain, I'm certainly changing something. And that's, that is tremendously exciting to be able to do that. And some of this, the way in which the body works is helping me re-understand, again, the whole aspects of what is light, what is energy, how do we use that, how do we encapsulate that. The the eye is the only tool we have to measure. I, I say such bizarre statements is that no beam of light is traveling at a uniform speed. How do I know that? It's because the light when it penetrates the retina comes into the retina in different depths, it interacts with different cells at different depths, different parameters, and comes up with a uniform, uniform response at the optic nerve, at those photoganglia response. That's a r- real challenge because our quantum physics understanding of light and light mechanics and energy just changed. So if, for example, I get kind of into science fiction, I think, okay, now I can manipulate and change nearly a trillion different variables of light and light energy. I wonder what I could do with a fiber optic tube. If we properly understood and managed that, what could I possibly do with a laser? What can we do differently in terms of generating our understanding of energy? What is energy? So, uh,
1: those are, we, are pretty deep. Uh, yeah, those are, those deep are some questions.
2: fun side effects <laughs> in the science fiction world. Yeah.
1: Those are pretty deep <laughs> questions there. Uh, as I look back or as I review, uh, preparing to, for the show today and, uh, And and the ability of light and the response of light and what we know, what the general scientific community, I mean, things are shifting. Mm -hmm. There's more to learn about light. Uh, People have finally realized, you know, three years ago that was not the case. I know everything I kind of know. And, yeah, there may be some changes there, but we're not ready for it. I think today we're ready for the change. Uh, People have accepted there is something there. And therefore, they're studying it more. Uh, there's more uh, grants coming out. There's more interest interest by different institutions. Uh, that's what I noticed throughout my studies and just getting prepared for the show. Have you observed the same thing? Yeah. Sure, sure. The medicine of light is changing. When I
2: first started, it was uh, considered, you know, if you're sick, go out there and get some sunshine. Yeah, um, and that was sunshine was therapeutic. we changed the light bulbs, going to more full spectrum light bulbs and things like that. So that's where I started. And because my product looks like a tinted lens or looks like a mild form of sunglasses, ironically, they actually don't dim light. The way they are made, they actually enhance the amount of everything is more bright. So uh, a pleasant side effect that I had was I'd lost my night vision, essentially. And in six weeks, I got it back. So I actually see at night, like I did when I was 15, 16, play high music if I so choose. And so our understanding of how light impacts us, and then how, if our source of life is light from the sun, then that means this, the inquiry into what is light and its impact literally is life-changing, and it must be. That's where we have to go as a culture, society, and inquiry to uh, experience. Certainly, I can guarantee experience a higher quality of life with my product, but. There are so many other products. Can we make a better television? Of course. Can we make a better monitor that's more combati- less combative to our visual systems and our attention and not have eye fatigue because we looked at it all day? There's no excuse for computer vision syndrome, which means to get eye fatigue by looking at a computer all day. All those bank tellers, all those secretaries, you listen to them at the end of the day and they got the neck shoulder pain and they can hardly wait to go home hmm. and they rub their eyes and Let's get the glass of wine and that kind of stuff. All of that can be eliminated. There's no excuse because we eliminate the light. We
1: change the light source before it ever hits the retina, which causes fatigue. That's amazing. Uh, Folks, today's show is Technology Innovation, the Challenge to Succeed. My guest today is Mr. Brad Chase a uh, very well-known scientist and inventor. Uh, he is the inventor of the Neurochromatic Lens. And we've been talking about the positive and negative impacts of uh, his technology, uh, positive that it changes your entire world as far as making your life and lifestyle a little bit better. The negative part about that is you have uh, obstacles from either larger or other competitors out there that do not want your product on the market and see you as a direct threat. Uh, more importantly, uh, we talk about our daily routine uh, based on some of the uh, uh, evidence and some of the the stories that Brad has been able to uh, tell us today from uh, seizures to migraine to uh, uh, other conditions uh, that the body incurs. But he's been able to manipulate a little bit of the light. And now the question begins to uh, be told, What's so important about light, and how does it really light impact your human body? And there's a big discussion going on, and especially in your research there, Brad. That has to tell you there's there's more digging and more understanding uh, and more evidence that needs to be brought out to the surface for people to take this on. But the good thing is, I, I believe the scientific community is moving towards that. That's that's
2: correct, and, and you make mistakes along the way. I'm I'm friends with the. Two doctors that hold hold patent or a portion of the patent that is part of the lens implant you have used lens implants and eye injuries, but you most commonly use it when you uh, are taking away cataracts and you replace the lens so people don't need to wear glasses. The theory in terms of developing the lens that if, that all cataracts essentially were caused by uh, exposure to ultra, ultraviolet light. So what do they do is they, they build a lens that takes out 100% of the ultraviolet light. What they fail to recognize that we need a certain portion of ultraviolet light to make our autoimmune system work properly. So they put into the human body a element that compromises the immune system, trying to do what's right for the patient. You get a pair of prescriptive lenses, you get a pair of your near side, far side, trifocal, bifocal, and you most commonly will have ultraviolet protection on that. So the only way you're getting ultraviolet light through your eyes from around that lens is you put into your body something that compromises your body's ability to function in full areas, full, full ways, and other ways, not by malintent, not by trying to get paid an extra 10 or 20 or $40 for that UV coat, but rather to ink- to minimize the risk of cataract, and well-intended, but I have to work now with the industry and say, wait a minute, if the money you make in the lab for that, and the doctor who charges more for it makes more money, that's inappropriate care, and who am I to say?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> who am I to say? Folks, today we're talking about technology innovation and the challenge to succeed. Our guest today was Mr. Brad uh, Chase, our inventor and sponsor for the Neurochromatic Lens. I'm just going to thank you, Brad. We've got less than uh, about uh, a minute left. Uh, uh, if you need to get a hold of Brad Priest, uh send us an email at technologies at gmail.com. Uh, we'll forward those to uh, Mr. Brad Chase. At this time, I'd just like to thank uh, uh, our, my executive uh, executive producer, Dee Daniels, and of course my EA, Alexander Loreno, because uh, without them, we've wouldn't be able to produce the show, and more, more importantly, it was an outstanding show of the diversity of the product, uh, the, the challenge uh, that people face in innovating is critical, and we just need to keep uh, innovating for new products because lifestyle uh, just changes and improves. Until we meet again, this is your host, Jose Negron, for Today Tomorrow's Technology, the leading technology show on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel listed on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Until our next meeting, uh, good day.
0: Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.